Hi, my name is Lourdes. I'm an executive producer of I'm Everywhere. And hi, I'm Shay Simone. I'm the director of I'm Everywhere. And you're listening to the Horror Squad Podcast. the Horror Squad podcast episode number 291. Tonight we're talking about Feed Me, which is a Steve pick. I'm your co-host Joe. We have Steve and Steve, I believe we have an interview, correct? Yes, we do have an interview. I had the pleasure to speak to the director and one of the executive producer of the upcoming movie I'm Everywhere, which is currently trying to get funds on Indiegogo. We go through all of that in the interview. So their name is Shay and Lourdes. Shay is also a fellow podcaster on the Snobcast by Film Snob Reviews. And we had just a great discussion with both of them. Talked a lot of horror, talked a lot about indie horror and things to recommend. And I think you'll like this interview. It's really fun. I'm glad that we could speak to kind of smaller creators as this strike is going on. So... Yeah, I'm pretty psyched about it, Dan. Definitely listen to it at the end of this episode. Very cool. Anything going on horror-wise with you guys? Not much. Joe, Joe I think you got Coraline coming no. up. Yeah, Sam Sam got invited to, like, the. I guess they're re-releasing Coraline this yeah, week this in week, theaters. Yeah. yeah, so Sam and I are going to check that out. I've actually never seen it before, so it's going to be first-time watch for me. So we'll watch next week. I'll definitely give my thoughts on Coraline. So yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I love that movie. It's really it's really good. And I think they yeah. were talking about making a sequel, which I wouldn't well, you'll see the film. So yeah. report back. Definitely we'll talk about it next week. Non horror wise, I saw Barbie. So yeah, joined on thoughts, the jumped on the initial, Barbie train. Initial thoughts? <laughs> it was good. Yeah, yeah. It was cute. Yeah, it was good. It, it had like really good messaging. You know, everyone's like I I've noticed a lot of people are saying it's like an anti men movie, but I don't think so at all, actually. I think, like, yeah, sure, They there's definitely, like, some stuff in there about, like, men being idiots and stuff. But, like, at the end... We are I think, idiots, though. So. Yeah, we are, right. And I'm fun, right, we are. We are. <laughs> we're, we're dummies. But um, at the end, I think, Ken, I think Ken has, like, a really good arc. So I think he finds himself. And I think it, it plays on, like, a lot of stereotypes uh, uh, for men and women and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's it, was, it was a good movie. I, I, I uh, It was better than... I was expecting it to be. So, yeah, I'd recommend it. I mean, between that and Oppenheimer, the two big blockbusters of the year, I would take Oppenheimer personally, but Barbie's a good time, and I, I can see why uh, so many people are, like, super into it. I really appreciated that everything was, like, practical, too. Like, all the set designs were, like, all practical, like, hardly any CGI, so that was really cool. Awesome. awesome. Michael Sarah's in it. He's a Ken doll, isn't he? Yeah, he's Alan. Which is uh, like, apparently, it was like a Ken doll, like a failed Ken doll, I think. So he's like the only Alan in like oh, the really? Barbie land. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of, it's like a it's running joke. It's pretty funny, yeah. But uh, know, my wife and daughter saw it. I'm going to wait personally until it comes out and streaming. But I mean, it looks like a stupid fun, fun ride. I know I like Gosling and obviously Robbie. She's a, she's a babe, so. Steve's currently fighting off a ghost that we can't see. A cat, more like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try to get on my, on top of my autographs, so. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's how they be. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys want to get into uh, a little bit of tea? Oh, you want the tea? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We don't serve tea. Nope. Instead, you get a cup of Joe. And now here's Joe with the news. 
All righty. Thank you so much, Chuck. And here we go. This is your cup of Joe for the week. Let's start off with probably the one of the biggest pieces of horror news that has come out within the past couple weeks. And that is Radio Silence is out on Scream 7. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. Radio Silence will not be returning to direct Scream 7. And they have announced their new director. Christopher Landon has officially come on board to direct Scream 7. Who is Christopher Landon, you may ask? Well, you may know him from a couple of movies, uh, most notably Happy Death Day. So, you know, <laughs> you know, I think, say what you will about Happy Death Day, I, I like the sequel better. I believe he also did um, that one recently with Vince Vaughn as well. I believe he did. Which I think both of you guys yeah. watched. Yeah. yeah, which we both enjoyed. So, you know, I think he can do well with this. I think he, like, you know, he's able to blend sort of comedy and horror pretty well together. And that's what's kind of Scream, the Scream franchise is sort of all about. Apparently, so the reason Radio Silence is not coming back is they are heavily in development on a secret sort of Universal Monsters type movie right now, um, which is kind of being kept under wraps about exactly what is going to be. I'm hoping it's going to be a Monster Squad sort of remake. I think that would be amazing, but that's just all speculation. But yeah, um, what do you guys think? Are you guys bummed? Written no radio silence? You know, I'm not I'm not bummed that they're not doing it because I don't, you know, I, we all know my feelings in the second line. It wasn't that good and first one was passable. But you know what? My biggest issue with it is continuity-wise. Like, you know, give let them do the third one, figure out the scheduling because you know they had their arc in their mind. And, you know, it's the problem with these trilogies, too. Like, Star Wars is an example. You have one filmmaker that has his vision, and then another one comes in and, you know, has to kind of adhere to his vision but get his own spin on it. So, yeah, man, like, as, as much as, like, I wish that the, the current trilogy was a little bit better, it sucks that it's not going to be consistent because now this new guy's going to come in and want to do his spin on it. So I prefer that they did something totally different and finish the trilogy off. But, oh, well. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I'm not super bummed, though. It's like, whatever. Maybe we'll get a better Scream 7. I, I think Radio Silence might work better without, like, an IP. You know, kind of do their their own thing like they did with Ready or Not. So hopefully they can get back on track. Uh, you know, like, Scream 6 was okay. Not not great to me. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what 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 they do. You know, let's wait and see, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, I should also note that Radio Silence will be staying on as executive producers. And another sticking point, interestingly enough, um, is Jenna Ortega. Will she be returning? Apparently, she signed on to her deal well before she kind of blew up with Wednesday and all that. So a lot of people think there might be a sticking point with her returning, um, considering they wouldn't give Nev money to return. So, And you know Jenna's price is probably going to go up for the seventh movie. So there has been talk that she might not cut return for scream seven which she, would be interesting. she signed a contract she has to return so <laughs> she's well she signed she signed a contract for the the first two movies like, apparently she hasn't oh, signed it for, sign for, for this her. right fucked up yeah so she you know she's gonna require quite a big pay raise for her to come back and the question will be will they pay her so i know we were joking around a little bit in the chat about uh dewey and Nev's thoughts on dewey being killed off as she thought it was a mistake and then you, one of you guys commented we never saw dewey's body do you agree with that? Is that a joke? Do you think he's going to come back? What do you think? Steve's the one that made that comment. I don't know. I I think it would be silly like at this point. Like, it's behind the scenes. Like, fucking, yeah. it was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
don't know. It's I, just who you know. These, like like you said, I think Todd, you're the one who said uh, that guy got like, you know freaking shot or stabbed a million Chad, times yeah. in the last last movie and was totally fine afterwards. So there are no rules in this thing, and they could do a whole you know kind of meta thing of returning characters and yeah, never never yeah. being dead and all that stuff. So I I can actually see him coming back. I, I hope not, kind of, because it would be really stupid. But I wouldn't be mad about it either because it's still Dewey and I like him. So we'll see. We will see. All right. Next bit of news here is I always usually end the show. Sad news. So I'm just going to throw it in the middle here tonight. Rest in peace to, of course, Oscar winning exorcist filmmaker William Friedkin. He passed away this week at the age of 87. Just an iconic, obviously, name in horror. He, of course, won Best Director at the Academy Awards in 1972. I'm sorry, 1973 for The Exorcist. Uh, Also won in 72 as well, so shout out to him. Yeah, uh, just, uh, I mean, Exorcist was my number one movie horror movie of the 70s you know i think it made number two on the ultimate list i think it made all of our lists though just an iconic horror movie still today i think really the only you know quote unquote horror movie you know silence of the lambs maybe you know but exodus is really the true and true really only horror movie to win you know an oscar um so yeah shout out to him long life though 87 years old so rest in peace william Friedkin. Hey, he had a good run, and what more do you want? A legacy of a film that is going to last till the end of time. And eighty-seven, you said, and it didn't get out. Get out won an Oscar, right, for comedy it or did. something stupid. It, w- it won. Um, I think writing best right? screenplay. I believe original screenplay. Yeah, it's a it's yeah. a Golden Globe that was nominated for best comedy. Yeah. Uh, okay, got it. Yeah, but excellent run. So R.I.P. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get into this because I know Steve and Todd, I'm sure, are going to have some things to say about this. Twilight of the Dead. George A. Romero's planned zombie movie apparently is finally going to be coming to life. So before George passed away in 2017, he had been developing one final zombie movie, Twilight of the Dead, which had shown, of course, brief uh, signs of life, but apparently it is now getting... It's going to see the light of day, apparently. So the George A. Romero estate is teaming up with L.A.-based finance producer Roundtable to bring Twilight of the Dead to life. Thoughts? Twilight's been kicked around way before Land of the Dead even came out. That was like always like the planned fourth film. So I'm worried in the sense that, well, I mean, one, George passed away. He can't control the IP anymore, which is a problem. And then two, if how how much writing he got done for the film was it pre land of the dead or was it post survival of the dead which is two big fucking differences in his career quality wise so i mean i love george favorite director hands down but those last two films were bad so i don't know we'll see plus i you know I, of course i want to see it it's gonna be awesome to see romero's name on there and his little touches but is it really his film at this point we'll see yeah, that, that's kind of how I feel as well. Um, you know, he he might have written it, but by the time it goes through editing and you know, like on-screen ch- choices and all that stuff, it's not really his film. You know, it's not. I wouldn't see it as a Romero film. I just see it as something like inspired by Romero. So I would still definitely see it, but I, I'm not like as excited as uh, the amusement park I was because that was actually a Romero film, and that was awesome. Heck yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One last note here. George's last wife, Suzanne Romero, is 
who is the executor of his estate. She is in, um, she will be producing the movie. So she's in heavy sort of negotiations. They have not picked a director yet. So stay tuned. We'll keep you up to date, but at least someone in George's family is going to be involved some way, somehow in this final movie of his. Rob Zombie's Twilight of the Dead. (laughs) Oh, maybe. (laughs) Never know. You know, hey, you know, he hasn't done some, he hasn't done like zombies yet, really, uh, right? Like, I don't think so. House of a Thousand Corpses kind of had some zombies sort of things in it, but yeah, we'll see. All right, talk to me, ladies and gentlemen. One of sort of the hottest indie horror movies that has come out. I don't think there's any surprise here. We are going to be getting a sequel to Talk to Me, as A24 has ordered a sequel to, of course, the movie, which. It did an impressive 26 million worldwide already on I know it was a very small budget. Okay, it was made on a four and a half million dollar budget, so it's already made its money back plus then some. I think it once it hits streaming too, I think it's gonna find an even bigger sort of voice once more and more people see it. But yeah, I don't Steve, me and Steve are the only two have seen it so far. Todd's gonna get on it. But Steve, are you excited for a talk to me sequel? Yeah, I mean this story just you know screamed sequels and they even kind of set one up at the end there so yeah i'm 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 excited to talk to me is in my top three so far this year it was really really good uh well-made film very scary so hopefully they kind of keep it that way they don't start capping it up and trying to reach a wider audience or whatever the fuck they do with these movies but um i'm psyched i, I think it could be very good yeah agreed i'm i'm really excited i think the universe could be expanded a lot like i think there's a lot to explore there i'm sure if we end up covering this i think you know we can get more into it but there's like a lot of really interesting stuff that they showed towards the end of the movie when they kind of saw like um some flashback sort of uh into the universe scenes that i think could be explored even more that could really open up this universe but i'm, I'm really excited and so excited that i want to throw this into the news a24 is going to be releasing an, a replica of the talk to me hand so keep an eye on that uh i'm pretty excited for that i'm definitely going to be picking it up despite sam's strong objections for me not getting it (laughs) but a24 put props out like is it like a spirit kind of thing it'll be super limited and probably expensive that's kind of what they do with their uh sort of prop replicas and stuff like that like they they released a bear in a cage for midsummer and it sold out like within minutes uh so you kind of like a neck kind of style figure so, yeah yeah sort of so they they like releasing little things like that um but they they sell a lot of like cool uh t-shirts and hats and stuff on their website too for all the movies they do so definitely uh check it out they have a uh replica of the mermaid in soap form from uh the lighthouse for anyone that might want that 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 is still available so well, yeah for, go check them out for all the parents out there kids are going back to school this week and next therefore i will be returning back to the movie theaters so I can watch them in peace on Thursday mornings where there's no one there. So maybe I'll catch it before it leaves. Perfect. Dude, yeah, speaking of that, we went and saw Barbie on like a Wednesday and it was fucking sold out. The movie's been out for like three, like almost a month. It blew my mind. I'm like, what the hell? But yeah, man, it's just that train will not die. It's just full steam ahead. All right, here's one I think is going to be really interesting. And I think this would be perfect for us to cover a double feature of as we are going to be getting a remake of the 1980s cult classic, Street Trash. So interestingly enough, Fried Barry director, who we had on the show um, a couple years ago, he will be directing this 
remake. Uh, Ryan Kruger is his name. He is going to be directing this remake. Uh, this is going to be a Screambox original, uh, which is bloody disgusting plat streaming platform, and they are expecting to release it in early 2024. They went on to say, our reimagining of Street Trash takes place in South Africa, where the growing divide between rich and poor has changed the world as we know it. Ryan Kruger said, I was a huge fan of the original Street Trash when I was a kid, and I couldn't be more thrilled to introduce a whole new generation to the melted gonzo goodness that made the original such a success. What do you, I mean, have you guys seen Street Trash? Trash? Are you guys excited for a potential remake here? I'm looking at Letterboxd, and you know, I recognize the artwork, but I don't I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, I haven't either, but from the screens that I did see of Street Trash, I think Ryan Kruger is actually a really good choice because Fried Berry was a wild movie and this looks like a wild property. So I'd definitely watch it. And yeah, double feature would be awesome. All right, awesome. All right, just a couple more stories to get through here. Here's one I found to be really interesting. And that is, of course, the sort of universal monsters universe that is happening well apparently we are going to be getting a bride of frankenstein movie maggie gyllenhaal of all people is reportedly in talks to direct the movie and this is going to be slated for a netflix release that's really all the information we have right now but yeah what, i mean what do you guys think about this i mean we'll see <laughs> I, it's actually because it's a netflix release i'm kind of a little less excited about it to be honest mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like that story could be a theatrical film. So we'll see. And I've, I don't think I've ever seen her. Like, I've seen her act a lot, but I've never seen anything she's directed. So I don't know uh, what that will be like. But she's she's talented. So hopefully uh, she can do something great with the with that story. All righty. Quick little tidbit here. Uh, Andre Overdahl, who directed the first Scary Stories to Tell in Dark, has come out and said recently that the sequel is in development so we are going to be getting a scary stories to tell in the dark too which i think could be pretty fun i think you know we had some issues with the first one but i think most of it we were mostly positive on that one when we did review it so i think they could really expand that universe and do something pretty fun with it and then uh the last bit of news here i wanted to talk about is for you halloween fanatics out there halloweencostumes.com is releasing a 20-foot-tall Michael Myers inflatable. Yes, you heard that right, 25 feet tall. Absolutely massive. If you put that in your, your yard, make sure you tie that thing down good or it's going to fucking do some damage in the neighborhood. But it is going to be released. Uh, they're also releasing two different sizes as well. They are going to be releasing an 8-foot version and a 15-foot version as well of this is an officially licensed, I should mention, Michael Myers inflatable. So the 8-foot version is going to be priced at $119.99, 15-foot version at $299.99, and of course the gargantuan 25-foot-tall Michael Myers that you'll be able to see from fucking miles away, $499.99. So, you know, you want, you want to do a little wow factor in your neighborhood, maybe grab that 25-foot tall michael myers and hear the neighbors all up in arms about that one <laughs> yeah i'm looking at it right now and they have they have it up against the house and i'm like this just dwarfs the house it's so funny yeah <laughs> dude there's no way I, I have a 14 foot frankenstein's monster and to fucking keep him in place is such an ordeal i have to yeah. tie him like to a tree i have to go up the tree and a ladder to make sure that i tie him like from the neck and from the arms and there's no fucking way a 25 foot thing is going to be easy to keep down 
especially if you're planning to keep it more than just Halloween like night. Now, fuck that noise. It's way too big. Put it in your house like Clark Griswold with this fucking tree. Yeah, right. <laughs> that thing's too big. I'm gonna say it. Yeah. I can't wait to see some pictures and videos of people who, when they actually get it, and then see like some of the destruction. Because I know someone, I I know for a fact someone is not going to tie it down good, and that thing is going to go flying, and it's going to be awesome. So, uh, yeah. So you know, four ninety nine. You want to spend five hundred bucks on something pretty interesting? You can spend your five hundred bucks a lot worse. So, grab it, throw it in our Discord. We want to see pictures. Do it up. But that is going to be it, ladies and gentlemen, for horror news this week. We hope you enjoyed it. Steve, how about another cup of joe? Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. All right. Well watched? Sure. Okay. What are you watching, Todd? Well, I had a, we try to do once a month movie night or movie day with my buddies, uh, Brent and TJ. They are listeners, just not on Discord. And they are going to be in the first annual Horror Squad podcast fantasy football tournament, which I just did the draft. We did the draft layout for everybody. So you're going to, we figured out who's going to pick what. But anyway, I brought a movie called Burial Ground. And I had uh, seen it before, but have you seen that one, Steve? Charlotte Copley in it? No, this is from 81. Oh, no. I yeah, don't so so basically, um, Burial Ground is like a, it's a time film and a group of people go to this, this like estate and there's been some research. There's like a catacombs below the estate. And of course, like there's this fucking scientists that unearth zombies, right? And then we have, uh, I think it's three sets of couples. And then one couple has this creepy fucking son that I'm pretty sure it's a grown man, but that's just small, like not little person small, just like, I guess passes off as a kid. But when you watch this film, you would be so fucking creeped out about what this little fucking creepy kid does. So there's zombies going around um, and they're trying to fight them off, things like that. But the worst stuff in here is kind of the incestuous relationship between this very strange boy slash man and his mother to the point where he like attempts to uh, finger bang her and is fucking disturbing and then breastfeed her and when she like wa- like fights him off he's like but mother i i love breastfeeding mother and he talks like that like a fucking grown man it's so weird i think the zombies are really cool they look similar to um lucio fulci's zombie so i know steve and i both love that movie this one it's a solid three and a half uh, three out of five it's got some really goofy stuff but man like i i, I want everyone to see this film just for this kid slash man's performance, because gosh damn, he's fucking crazy. Like, it's just nuts. So that's Barrel Ground from 81. I don't think it's streaming. Let me double check. I think he just on demand on Prime, but Barrel Ground from 81. Cool. Yeah, I'm like conflicted because I want to watch it for the zombie stuff it. and the uh, the dude, but I also don't want to watch it because of the weird incest shit. It's it's so. it's it's implied throughout the film okay, until good. one particular scene <laughs> where I'm like, what the fuck is going on? But I, yes, yeah. please see it. Okay. Fucking if disturbing. I can find it, I'll I'll definitely check it out. <laughs> so my first movie is a movie I watched over on uh, I think it was VOD, and it is a 2023 film by the name of Clock. 
So this is the story of a woman. She's in her late 30s and all of her friends are getting pregnant or they already have families and people are like, well, when are you going to have a kid? You know, like kind of that old thing. And she doesn't really want one, but her husband, who's a doctor, does. And there's this kind of like weird relationship where, you know, it's kind of breaking the relationship up a little bit. So she decides that it's not her, it's her biological clock that's like messed up. So she goes to the doctor and she like talks to her about it. And she's like, well, we have this kind of experimental procedure that we can do that will kind of awaken your biological clock. Uh, you'd have to go over to a retreat and do it. Um, so she's like, okay, I'll do that, but I'm not going to tell my husband about it. So she like lies to her husband saying she's going on a business trip, but she actually goes to this facility for this experiment experimental procedure and there it's led by a doctor played by Melora Hardin who most people would know as Jan Levinson Gould from uh, The Office and yeah so she's going through this place and they're giving her pills and giving her like therapy and really trying to get her biological clock going again but as she's going through this process she's noticing that the other patients there are acting really weird and there's something off about the whole situation and then she starts seeing kind of creepy imagery in her dreams and she's starting to have like hallucinations that she's not sure if it's a dream or reality and it just gets fucking wild from there uh the movie is actually pretty good it's shot kind of like a24 style it's not an a24 film but it's it's shot in that style and the creepy imagery one in particular was fucking nightmare fuel like really 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 well done it's like this tall woman creep me the fuck out like honestly so for that almost alone i'd recommend people checking it out it is a little bit slow at times like there are some scenes that just drag on and on but uh, i think it's one worth watching at the very least it's not going to make my top 10 or anything like that but i think it should be one on people's radar so that's clock over on vod cool and the second to last one for me was another one from the movie day and that's the driller killer from 1979 a film that i had started watching years ago and just never finished it for whatever reason so essentially there's this uh it's in new york city and it's fucking gross the city is disgusting and all that stuff and this artist that's filmed like that he's painting like his masterpiece for this uh art dealer that's super shady and like to the point where like well maybe you should let him have sex with you and you get your art published or whatever it's called so he's gross he has uh, two girlfriends that live with him and then this uh punk rock band moves in uh, i think below him the floor below him and they just fucking non-stop play their bullshit at all hours of the day and it starts kind of making him go crazy to the point where he he lashes out and he sees a commercial for a portable battery operated thing that plugs into like a drill, right? So he it's called a porta pack. So he he's like, yeah, I'm gonna buy that, and he gets a drill. Thus the driller killer, and he goes around killing homeless people and things like that. I wish that it focused more on his descent into madness. Think the movie uh, The Devil's Candy did it like perfectly that movie's awesome this movie's good too but it kind of rushes things along like we have too much focus on stuff that doesn't matter like the punk rock scene things like that and i wish it would have shown it from his perspective of like his slow descent into madness before he snaps good some some okay gore in it it's pretty tame Uh, it was a video nasty battle i don't understand why like they sometimes labeled it for no reason performances are solid it's ultra low budget and but i think it does a great job of portraying how 
just disgusting this person's life was in this movie. So that's tr the Julie Killer. And streaming-wise, it is over on TV for American audiences. Nice. Um, so my last one this week is another 2023 film that I watched over on Tubi, and it's called Tell Me a Creepy Story. So every year I have this like self-imposed goal of watching 100 horror films from the year so that I have the best list possible for our year-end show. And the way that I usually achieve this, especially like, you know, the first half of the year, is I add every 2023 movie that's horror on Tubi and just watch the ones that interest me the most. Uh, a lot of them are crap, and I don't even talk about about this show, to be honest. But this one, I don't know. I had a feeling that this one might be actually good. So Tell Me a Creepy Story is an anthology film. It's got four separate stories. The first one is about a mother who uh, gives birth to a son, and she notices that the son has like a weird eating disorder where he constantly eats but doesn't gain any weight. He just eats and eats and eats, and it's becoming a real problem because like... She can't breastfeed because he's trying to eat her nipple. And uh, as he grows up, it's starting to cause problems with other kids in the neighborhood and things like that. And it becomes like this slow descent of this mother trying to deal with this nightmare child. Uh, there's one scene in particular that uh, I'm not going to spoil, but it really makes you think like if you have that bad of a child and it's, it's presented as a really, really bad child. If you see him dying, do you try to save him or do you just kind of let him go and, you know, cut your loss? So it deals with like painful motherhood and everything like that. Super well made, gory, great practical effects. Actually, really excellent story. Uh, the second one is about a man who's has disagreements with his wife and uh, she seems to be like a vegetarian and she keeps feeding him uh, vegetables, but there's meat in the fridge and he wants to eat it, but she won't let him. So he like just slightly pushes her, but she like trips on herself and then ends her face into the open dishwasher and has her like, she gets impaled by the knives in the dishwasher, like on her face. So he tries to kind of cover it up by cutting her to pieces and putting her into the garden. And then the story kind of takes place of weird things happening in the garden and things that are reminding him of her and these creatures start emerging from the garden which leads to a surprising and actually pretty cool ending so that's a really cool story as well the other two not so much unfortunately is two good stories two bad stories one of them is about this uh kind of uh, missionary he's like a priest kills families he just goes from family to family and kills them and he you see him at the beginning he had you know he's like in bed with a de deceased woman with her husband also in the room he goes to another family but now he meets this match this family is not as easy as the other ones he had dealt with and i won't go more than that but you know there's things that happen between uh, the couple and uh, the missionary and finally we have a tale of it's like a kind of home invasion this girl uh, she's alone at home because she uh, broke up with her boyfriend and she calls a plumber for an issue in her bathroom. Plumber comes. He's, she's like, okay, go upstairs. This is where you could fix the problem. Two minutes later, another plumber shows up from the company that she had told her. And she's like, wait a minute, you, know, you, you already sent someone. He's like, that's not possible. I'm the only one working tonight. And it becomes kind of this home invasion thing. But there's also like visions that she has of her ex-boyfriend. It's a really weird story. Uh, I was kind of losing the thread a little bit on this one. So, like I said, 
two really good stories, two not so good stories. But for an indie movie on Tubi that's got like very few, it's got 12 reviews, including mine, on Letterboxd, I think it's one people should check out, especially for the first two. So it's actually the first two that are good and the first, the second two that are bad. So that's Tell Me a Creepy Story on Tubi. I gave it three out of five stars, which I also gave three out of five stars for Clock. So, yeah. I got to say that Plumber story sounds pretty dang good, except when you start talking about the visions it's 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 just done really weird it could have been good but i don't know i i was losing what was going on it's they they were mixing too many ideas into one story i think but the first two really cool yeah and you know that that's a pet peeve in horror like who the fuck they did that in um stitches too that clown movie Mm -hmm. like who puts knives facing (laughs) (laughs) no one but it still um, looks for it makes for a cool thing. It, it, it make, yeah, it makes for a cool kill. That's uh, and and a, a cool <laughs> ac- accidental kill, right? Because yeah. it's not like how else would a knife like get into her in a way that makes sense, right? That's kind of yeah. one of the. So yeah, it's no, it's good. I, I was surprised for such a unknown movie. You know, there are gems out there, and this yeah, is for sure. I, I added it to my. <laughs> it's half of one. <laughs> Tubi list. It's like seven hundred deep. Probably. No, I, yeah, I know. Just me. My watch list. My Tubi list. It's out of control. Yeah. Trivia? Trivia. All right. The points for quarter three are as follows. Myself, Todd, in the lead with 12. Steve and Joe, each tied at seven apiece. Any man's game. Also, the overall record is pretty close, too, but we will save that till the end of quarter three to reveal that. So I will begin. And it is a tagline. And if you don't get it, I will move to the back of the Blu-ray to see what happens. Tagline. It's exactly what you think it is. That sounds familiar. I feel like we've had this one before. (laughs) I I think someone asked it like three years ago. Mm. I can't remember, though. Back of the Blu-ray. Grindhouse releasing is proud to present the sickest and the most violent of all the early 80s slasher movies. A psychotic killer stalks a Boston campus, brutally slaughtering nubile young college coeds, collecting body parts from each victim to create the likeness of is his it, um Pieces. Yeah, that's... It is pieces, yeah. I, I torso in my mind with pieces. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good movie. That's a sick movie. I like it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's got Very a really good. cool Blu-ray, too. Ding! That's a nice one. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. All right, three letterbox reviews. Oh, Guess the movie. There is not a single redeem- redeemable quality about this entire film. Fuck this utter garbage. It is disgusting. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Number two. Unsettling ultra shock loaded with disturbing images, gratuitive, gratuitous violence, despicable acts, lush cinematography, and tons of commentary on the duality of man. It is not. And then number three. I've never felt so convinced to go vegan before in my life. Um, I got one more after. Yeah, that's a tell right there. Vegan, so eating people. Um, uh, uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Correct. Yes. (laughs) I thought you were doing feed me. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about it. I'm like, is it fucking feed me? (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, so I didn't write any trivia this week because we're recording earlier than anticipated. So Kayla, to the rescue. Yeah. And yes. email she sent me like Out of retirement. Eight, eight months ago <laughs> that I keep hey. handy for occasions like this. So yeah, exactly. Super appreciate it. First one, in The Innkeepers 2011, Leanne, yeah. is, 
leaving what profession to study the supernatural? Mm, I don't know if I've ever seen it. I've never seen it either. Oh, teaching. so good. <laughs> God. No, it's not teaching. You want to take a guess, uh, Joe? Mm, stripper. <laughs> Wrong. Nursing. <laughs> no. She's a nurse. She's a sexy nurse. She isn't, no. Damn. Um, so the answer is acting. Ah. Yeah. Very, very good movie. Okay. I need to add to the letterbox. All right. Tag line, but I will also go to the Blu-ray because you're not going to get this one. He puts the teeth in terror. Two college students driving coast to coast are lured off the main highway and onto a deserted Texas road. Here they are stalked by the menacing Leatherface and his demented family, a bizarre cannibalistic clan with blood on their hands and a feast on their minds. Uh, Texas Chainsaw 2. Incorrect. Leatherface? Correct. <laughs> Leatherface. There you go. Which I love. Ken Foray's in it. He's a beast. So there are two Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies called Leatherface because wasn't the sort of the, prequel the one? one? Yeah, yeah, the shitty one. The bull- yeah, the stupid ass one. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot to mention Innkeeper's a Ty West film. I know. Oh, that. you know what? I think. Wait, which is the one where it's like a babysitter and the guy shoots? No, that's in the House face? of the Devil. That's House of the Devil. Okay, I yeah. seen In- Innkeeper's like ghosts in a like old hotel. I'm surprised that I'm surprised you haven't seen that one, Joe. You're... I know. It's I need. To, I I've been meaning to watch it. I just haven't jumped on it yet. Let me see where it's at online first. Um, it's on Tubi for us Americans. Nice. Tubi. Nice. Alrighty. I got a tagline here too. And if you guys don't get it, I will also read a little plot synopsis. Oh, nice. No good deed goes unpunished. I know that one. That's... <sighs> All right. Fuck. I'm not going to blow my load here. Uh, yeah, me too. I have one in my <laughs> chamber though. All right. Plot synopsis. A group of student activists travel to the Amazon to the save Green the rainforest. Correct. Yes. Uh, <laughs> fuck that movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Still from Kayla. What name did Sydney use while on the phone so that no one can track her calls and find her? In Laura. Space? Correct. Damn. Nice. <laughs> that yes. was on like, the screen, right? Was... Maureen no, Prescott. Maureen Prescott's going to be doing her first ever convention appearance coming oh, really? up uh, at Chiller Theater in New Jersey. So <laughs> you get you get to hit it or what? No, I'm not hitting that one up. Yeah. So I would probably mute her though. I'd add her to something scream. Yeah, if you have your scream shit, might as well. Yeah, if you got like a good scream piece, she's like a pretty rare one. So expect me. Yep. All right, Blank is an intense sci-fi horror thriller about a team of scientists aboard the International Space Station whose mission of discovery turns into one of primal fear when they find a rapidly evolving life form and cause that caused extinction on Mars and now mm. threatens the crew and all life on Earth. Is that life? That is life. Mm, nice. Mm-hmm. Never seen that one. Good? It's cool, yeah. I've never seen it either. But I just <laughs> know what it's about. <laughs> got cool blue, right? Check that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a... All right, back to me. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to give you characters from the movie and the director. Okay. And then you see if you can guess the movie. All right. Here is the cast of characters in the movie Doug, Ethel, Lynn, Big Bob, and Brenda. Director, Alexander Aha. If you want to take a guess, I'll give you more characters, which will definitely <laughs> give it away. Yeah, yeah I... high, uh, high tension. 
Incorrect. All right. So here we go. Do I have to wait for Steve now? No, no. It's fine. Uh So here are the other characters. We have Big Brain, Goggle, Lizard, and Papa Jupiter. Oh, it's um, Hills of Eyes. The remake of Hills of Eyes. Correct. Hills of Eyes. (laughs) Big Bob. I forgot he directed that. That's the cop. Big Bob is the dad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Buffalo, whatever. Played by, yeah, Ted Levine. Sure, you're a great big fat lady. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. A zombie western? Yes. Which horror comedy features Chris Catan in the Wild West trying to survive oh, a God. Native American curse that brings the dead to life? Um, hmm. Um, it's like uh, I don't know if I've seen it. It sounds familiar though. Like I, I feel like I called? know Chris Catan. Yeah, is it called like Undead of the West or something? You're very close. Damn. No, but you're close. Yeah, uh, I, got, I don't get it. I don't know either. I don't know. Just zombie, undead. Zombies of the Undead West. <laughs> no. <laughs> so the answer was Undead or Alive. Oh. Uh, I've never seen it. Have you seen it, Steve? No. 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 I didn't know Chris Catan did a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did... Um. What was that oh, one? that's right. The House on Haunted Hill. House remake. on Haunted Hill. Yeah, the remake. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's it. All right. So, uh, Joe and I tied this week with three piece. Steve at one, which brings us to myself, Todd, in the lead with 15. Joe, second, 10. Steve, third, eight. All right. Feed Me, which is a Steve pick. Go ahead and take it away. All right. Feed Me, directed by Adam Leader and Richard Oakes. It's a 2022 film. The plot. Following the death of his wife, a broken man spirals into an abyss of night terrors and depression and finds himself in the home of a deranged cannibal who convinces him to take his own life in the most horrific way imaginable. So it starts off with a guy, he seems to have been like broken up with his wife, but he still misses her and he wants to talk to her. She's going through some stuff and... uh, he like calls her and leaves messages on her phone. But meanwhile, police have been summoned to her house and they find her dead. It turns out that she had an eating disorder and um, unfortunately passed away from that. So the guy doesn't feel like he has much to live for anymore. And after the um, the eulogy at the funeral, he goes to a bar and this goofy, interesting character, kind of like a used car salesman, comes up to him and basically tells him that he could provide a service that is like an end-of-life service, assisted suicide kind of, but in a way that would kind of cleanse his soul and uh, make sure that he reunited with his wife. So he's like, okay, that doesn't sound too good. But then he realizes that what he wants to do is actually eat him alive, and then uh, that will somehow in a weird way, like make him more pure for uh, to go to heaven. So the guy decides, okay, let's do this. And he goes to this guy's house. And that's where the movie kind of takes off as he starts eating him piece by piece. Meanwhile, trying to live his life by trying to date and just avoiding police and stuff like that. So uh, this is a movie. It's an indie movie that doesn't have a lot of reviews on Letterboxd. It came out last year. Uh, I saw someone mention on Twitter once and I didn't have it available in Canada, so I put it on my watch list. And when I went to South Carolina for a a couple weeks, I saw that it was on Tubi in the U.S. So I checked it out. And like, I don't think it would have necessarily made my top 10 of 2022, 
but I think this would have been my favorite male performance of 2022 for the uh, main character of like the cannibal. So I figured I want to put more eyes on this. So when I had my pick, I wanted you guys to see it. I know you hadn't. So very curious what you guys think. So obviously I liked it. You know, I would have picked it otherwise. What do you guys think of uh, Feed Me? Yeah, so I this was not on my radar at all. Never heard of it, really. I, I don't remember if it made anyone's 2022 list last year i'll have to go back and look at the at, at my paperwork for that but uh yeah i'm i'm uh i was pleasantly surprised while watching it i had a lot of fun with it it's tonally it's very weird it reminded me in some parts of the greasy strangler in some ways like it has like sort of this sort of goofy tone but at other times it has a very serious tone as well so yeah that, it, it kind of throws you for a loop at times and I definitely, I don't think this will be everyone's cup of tea, but if you are into those, uh, you know, like a greasy strangler type movie, I think you'll totally enjoy this. Uh, the gore is great. Awesome practical effects, uh, you know, during the cannibal scenes and yeah, Neil Ward who plays Lionel Flack, uh, our cannibal just a, yeah, it's an awesome performance. I agree with Steve really awesome. Yeah. He, really good. And, but it's really, we'll get into it, but man, his character is really layered once we get to the end of the movie like there it, it gets like very sort of dark and serious um but also off the wall at the same time so yeah i mean it's i overall enjoyed it i wish they sort of picked a lane though and either went just completely one way or the other instead of kind of incorporating both because at times it definitely threw me off and took me out of the scenes but overall i had a really fun time with this one I agree with everything. Overall, enjoyed it quite a bit. And I mirror you guys saying the performance from Lionel was fucking excellent. Like, he was great. And he, yeah, he, he, I got those vibes too. I got vibes of Greasy Strangler. And then I also got it of what we do in the shadows, uh, particularly when they're fooling the police officers in the house. And then these ones and this one are fucking dumb as shit too. But the problem with it too is exactly what you guys have is that, like, is it, does it want to be a horror comedy? Because that stuff works by itself but then doesn't want to be a horror drama because that stuff works by itself but when they're intermixed so much it's from like it's it's kind of jarring you'll go from the police like not caring that the cover the walls are covered in blood you know what i mean to some like intense scene where he's seeing his dead wife you know so it's like oh, this is kind of a little bit too jarring but overall uh yeah i really enjoyed it yeah i i i got like kind of the same feeling as well uh as, as those films, you know, it gave me a little bit of Greasy Strangler vibes because there are things that are put in there for shock value. Like, for example, uh, at his dinner table, he has this giant painting of his mom naked uh, on a table, like super old mom, like probably in her late 70s, Drinking early champagne. 80s. Champagne. <laughs> champagne, yeah. Uh, you know, he's got a pet goldfish that he really loves that's like in the middle, almost like a chandelier. <laughs> to his uh, room uh, his house is absolutely fucking disgusting uh there are a lot of side plots he's got a too. lamp room yeah he's got a lamp room because he collects lamps from all his kills it's like his uh i guess his signature is to collect lamps because uh, there's a whole like side story where he's trying to date and he's super fucking awkward and it uh leads to places that were kind of unexpected but i agree that uh, the tonally it's all over the place now, I enjoyed that because I never knew what would come next. And I think it ultimately served the story well. But at the same time, I wish they had focused on some of the elements a little bit more, uh, especially 
kind of the cannibalism and all the stuff with like our main kind of protagonist in this uh, because you have these intense crazy scenes where he's cutting off limbs and then it just goes to something totally different that has really nothing to do with it and I wish we saw more of that because like the scene where they cut off his arm in particular is horrifying because he doesn't put him under he doesn't give him any like pain pills and he has a hard time cutting the arm off because it's just like not coming off so he has to keep chipping away at it he keeps pulling at it and just to imagine the intense pain and they really conveyed that scene well and it it's done practically which is even better now of course it looks a little goofy at times because like once the yard pulled off it's obviously a rubber arm you know things like that but i i can forgive it because they at least tried it practically as opposed to doing like cgi the only cgi in this movie is for the flies around uh his wife's body at the beginning but i guess that was hard to do practically so i can i can forgive that yeah, and I, I really I really love the scene where he gets his legs cut off and he gives him some kind of shot. It's probably an epidural kind of thing to his spine. And then he had shout out to that actor too. He did pretty well, especially in that scene where he has a, he's crying and you can just imagine how that feels because he's taking like electric um, turkey carving knife, whatever you want to call it, to his legs. And then, yeah, that's awful. But yeah, I, I, I would have loved to see, you know, as, as funny and awkward as it was, I think the dating is kind of not needed in the story and i think if you cut that out and then add more stuff where like i wanted to see more where he's in he's vulnerable like no legs one arm he's at the mercy of him and at this point he's like oh shit he truly is a bad guy even though we already know he is but now to him from his point of view he's like oh fuck he's evil or whatever it would have been really cool to see him at, in a, a more vulnerable state but we kind of go from vulnerable to almost the end of the film pretty quickly yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. That was actually one of my I was going to ask you guys is, did you think the sort of dating side plot was necessary? And I really don't think it was. Like, in the movie's at not about 90 minutes, which, perfect. Love it. Keep your movies at an hour and a half and under, and I love you. But, yeah, like, I just, I agree, Todd. Like, I, I just, it really didn't go anywhere. It was kind of there, I guess, for sort of comedic value and to kind of, I guess harp on that character a little more the lionel character but yeah it just it just didn't add anything for me and then like the way he disposes of of her is like so sort of lackluster i guess it's to show that he's really snapping but like when you know they finally get to their big sort of date scene it's just like he goes in and stabs her a few times and that and that's it i wish he had brought her home maybe and we could have seen him like maybe start cutting off her limbs or something and eating her I think that would have been awesome, but unfortunately we didn't get any of that. So I think they, they should have just did away with her character altogether if they weren't going to go that route. And yeah, I agree, Todd, just kind of focus on sort of maybe him locked in rooms kind of dealing with that more. But that wasn't the tone they were going for. They were going for the com more comedy, I feel like, here. So that I, I guess that's why they added that sort of side plot. Yeah, I, I would have done two things personally. Like I think you can keep the comedy and stuff, but I think you need to remove the police scene, the, the first one where they're like bumbling idiots and like looking at all this stuff and they don't say anything. And then they eat the fucking guy's meat. Like, give me a break. I think you remove that scene because if you remove that scene, it makes the next scene with the police more effective where they show up and we know that they're in danger and that he has knives and shit like that. I think it makes it more uh, manageable, but also with the girl too, there's an opportunity where she goes like something like, um, are you into any kind of weird shit? And then to Joe's point, that would have been really cool if he brought her back. It's like, this is my weird shit. And then I see her reaction 
and then like you, you still could have had the police find him because of her you know like she went missing or whatever but yeah i think that there's some cool there's some stuff left on the cutting room uh, floor for sure yeah that's exactly how i felt about it as well uh, i thought it was good character development for him to go through that process of the relationship but it should have tied into the overall story uh better now i know that uh you know the director i i think would say something along the lines of it's that relationship that kind of unravels him because he had it like together for most of the movie and it's not until he goes on that date and kills her that he starts removing kind of the uh the layers of you know lionel fleck and that's where he loses his um his like wig and that's where we see the turn from him playing this character of you know the the way that we had seen him the whole movie to his actual like british self you know because he's actually just playing an american he's not actually american so I thought it was an interesting way to do it. Just I wish it tied into the story a little bit more. Yeah, we didn't really touch on that. Like we're, we're introduced to him as like kind of like a southern, like thick southern accent American, kind of bumbling around Great Britain, and then it his accent starts coming in and out, and then he's a crazy Englishman. I guess at the end of the day, but I thought that was pretty cool. Like I, I another props to the actor because accents are hard, and he pulled it off. Yeah, and the, the toupee is is great. Like, it's such a fucking <laughs> shitty-ass toupee. <laughs> it's just like, it really adds to that character, you know? Like, it's yeah. so funny. And then when it does come off, like, and you kind of, it, it turns really sad. Like, you realize, like, he's really just, like, this, like, super sort of, I don't sad know, like, cannibal. sad, depressed, like, lonely guy. Um, you know, and he starts crying and stuff, and you start to kind of feel bad for him at one point, even though he is a sick fuck. So I, I actually really... I thought that was great. I thought that was fantastic. The way his sort of character arc completely changed from this like super ultra confident, you know, debutante to just this sad, pathetic like man by the end of it. Yeah. And I, I think something else I liked about the relationship is it allowed him to be vulnerable in a way that we wouldn't otherwise see because he's not just psychotic and killing people. He actually cares about the guy he's killing. You know, we, we see this throughout the movie where he values that friendship. He even tells the girl that he's trying to date how much like he was like bummed out that he thought he would escape the night before because he said he he and his roommate had ascended to the next level, which she thought he was gay, but he actually meant uh, spiritually, you know, uh, which was an interesting scene. So I guess in that sense, the relationship does work because how do you show him kind of vulnerable like that without, you know, kind of verbalizing it to someone else and i think that was an interesting way although man kudos to that girl she was like really into him because she forgave a hell of a lot of stuff to uh to date him like she wanted him bad it was this fashion sense she liked uh, that was a great scene where they uh he, he wanted to do his profile pick <laughs> he's like trying out all these different outfits and shit his little tidy whities yeah <laughs> Yeah, this, I was looking at this director's like movie. He hasn't really done much else other than this. But I think so. He's done. It looks like four movies. The other, his other latest one was a horror movie as well in 2020 called Hosts, which I have not seen. But uh, he remind he you know we mentioned Ryan Kruger earlier, and this definitely gives me that sort of fried berry type theme as well. So yeah, that's, that's God. I, I feel like they could team up and do a movie together almost, and it would be like off the wall crazy. Yeah, absolutely. A few other notes that I took. I, I love the kind of fake outs that they're doing, like that one scene where the cop is in the bathroom and the body of the guy is in the bathtub 
and you can see it in the shot at the angle that the camera's at and you think that the cop sees it but she doesn't you know yeah stuff like that i mean obviously she would have seen it <laughs> it's a full ass body like still breathing in there but it was just a funny like kind of psych out they did throughout the film uh the last one was a little more obvious with the gun like obviously you wouldn't give him a loaded gun you know to, to shoot him but still but it was well made so where do you think our main character goes from here because the way the movie ends you know he ends up getting the best of lionel in a very clever way fucking knife right to the eye uh, on the other end of the table with sort of a broken board was it, uh, was, which is pretty cool did i miss was that established earlier that that board was broken i don't think so it, it was yeah maybe, it, was? it was okay maybe i missed it all right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah he, so he, yeah it's and it's really like subtle he just like mm-hmm. leans against it and he like kind of jerks because oh, okay. it kind of comes up and yeah so i, I like that it was like bringing back something so subtle to ultimately kill you know lionel was was mm-hmm. good yeah it's very cool and yeah our i guess our lead character kind of realizes he doesn't want to die anymore you know he wants to live and defeats lionel and so but the dude has no fucking legs i think what he has one arm now <laughs> i mean probably oof, some all bacteria and <laughs> infection coming from that house so i don't think he's gonna make it i personally think he dies from you think so bacterial infection all right yeah, I would have liked them to finish the movie with just a shot like, of him, you know, just with his one arm left, like sitting somewhere, like almost depressed, or Turning you know, off. just to yeah, just doing something that kind of shows that he lived, and I don't know, he's happy somehow, or he's I don't know, he's like Lionel's almost like Jigsaw, right? It's he's like pushing you for your will to live. Like, do you actually want to live, or do you want to die? So it's it's a weird way of it's like another way of doing it, I guess. I mean, he did sign a contract. He so, did. I'm That's right. So fair. he can sue him. So smart him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you I guys wish... think of the barbecuing scenes? Did it make you uh, like? Oh, <laughs> no. I mean, it didn't make me queasy or anything. I think they could have went even further with it, honestly. But yeah, it was, yeah. It was, hey, looked a little tasty. I'd try a finger. Why not? Yeah. You, you... Yeah, I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> would Would you honestly try it if it was like legal? And yes, you would. Uh, I don't think I, I would. would. I don't. I would. Yeah. We, we, we talked it, about it, this in the past. I think like, yeah. everyone, everyone on Discord, like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't. I'm not that adventurous. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would definitely try it at least once. I, I read an article where a guy had his foot amputated. I probably this is probably being regurgitated to the audience, but the guy got his foot amputated. He signed some waivers. He was able to take his foot back and made tacos for his friends and like like a couple of people backed out but other people ate it i just that's so fucking gross i don't know man it's gnarly man maybe it tastes delicious though who knows, hey, you know? knows yeah it could could uh, be good tastes like chicken you know i'm a ham elector liked it <laughs> do you wish we got more i'm sorry go ahead i was just gonna say all the hannibal all the uh, cannibals seem to really like it it's like especially it, 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 hannibal <laughs> it's funny because in movies it's almost established that humans is the best cut of meat yeah. If you watch like horror movies, uh, even like people who accidentally have uh, human meat, they always think it's the best meat, right? Think any single movie where human meat is served, whether willingly or unwillingly, it's always like, holy That's shit, true. this is the best fucking meat. So in movie lore, it's it's humans, the top. Humans good. Humans the best. Yeah. To serve man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I had a question. Do you guys think we do? Would you wish we got more? Like, instead of, I guess, getting rid of that sort of side story with the woman, 
the dating stuff. Do you wish we got maybe more backstory on Lionel, or do you think what they gave us was sort of enough? I think it was enough because I think too much might have ruined the character a little bit. Uh, I felt we were discovering him as the movie went along. You know, like who is this guy? He's like wild. He's he's weird. He's he's got you know every time he talks to people, he's got a different job that he says he does. Uh, there's a super fucking weird scene on like inner tubes in the lake where he's like taking care of um, you know disability like people with disabilities, which I don't under- that's the one scene I don't really too. understand. So is that his actual job and all the other ones are bullshit like a dry like dry cleaning job that he says he has with the business card and then he says he's a fisherman at some point but is that like his actual job I I was kind of confused by that one scene I don't know like who's trust interesting handicapped people within his care <laughs> like I don't know I don't know and he kills them right like lets them drown we don't know yeah we don't know for sure yeah we don't know for sure they they just kind of cut off when they're you know drowning i guess but we don't know what ultimately ended up happening with that pretty fucked up which is a sad scene man honestly i was bummed out because he was teaching them quote unquote like survival stuff and he's like all right well we have a survival situation what do you do and they blow their whistles and then when they're he pops their boat they start blowing their whistles i'm like man that's fucked up yeah, I, I like to think that they lived, you know, like he, he's done through this before and he's just fucking with uh, the other dude, but um, who who knows for sure. Uh, but just to get back to your question, Joe, I, I think I like discovering Lionel throughout the movie. And I think backstory would have hurt the movie because it wouldn't be as interesting. And he does a lot of it through dialogue, he talks about his relationship with his mother. He talks about, you know, so it's I liked it that way to right up until the end we're still learning about Lionel and who this guy is so. and another thing I want to talk about is kudos for this movie and tackling such heavy fucking subjects in a way that wasn't like gratuitous but also at the same time really like talking about those subjects like eating disorder suicide you know these are heavy subjects that movies have a hard time tackling and I thought they did that like in a good way you know they, they didn't glamorize it they, they showed you eating disorders are bad and um you know obviously suicide you know you don't want to go through that it's it's, it's interesting how they really hit these heavy themes it's such a kind of goofy movie yeah i agree like for a movie that's kind of so tonally all over the place and weird they they never sort of made a joke about the more serious subjects which was good like yeah it was it's a good, good way to tackle that. So yeah, I, I do agree. I think they did a, a good job handling that with taste. Agreed. And if you're one of those people that has issues with that, reach out to somebody. Don't let it don't let it fester. I know it's a goofy movie we're reviewing, but honestly, you know, seek help. All right. What do you guys rate it? Yeah, so uh yeah, I overall I enjoyed this one. I had, you know, minimal issues with it. Like I said, the tonal the tonal stuff kind of messed my with my head a little bit but overall i think it's a fun watch a a really solid you know one time watch for me is it something i'll ever visit again i think with a group of friends absolutely like this is one i would show to my friends be like you need to see this it's really fucked up but will i sit down again and watch it by myself probably not but that's not you know really a knock on it i just you know but yeah fun time good gore 
Lionel character, I'll never forget him, honestly. He'll stick with me for sure. Like he's just one of a one of a kind type of character, sort of. So yeah, I'm gonna give it a three and a half out of five. I had a fun time. It wouldn't have made my top ten last year, but definitely probably would have made an honorable mention. Yeah, all those reasons I agree with, and I'm sticking with the three and a half out of five. I looked at my top ten last year. And number 10 was Black Phone, so I don't think it was better than that movie, but I agree. Definitely an honorable mention. But uh, yeah, Lionel, I think him and Big Ronnie need to hang out and, and talk shop together. Yeah, I, I'm slightly higher at a four out of five, but like I said before, it would not have made it my top 10 either, but it would have been close. It would have been probably top 15. But like I also said, um, I would have given him my favorite actor of last year. Like, I won't take away from... Uh, Morton Burian and uh, Fedja Van Hewitt, which is um, Jordan and Patrick from Speak No Evil, which were great performances. But I think Neil Ward in this really kind of carries the movie. You know, he has a great actor opposite him, but it's really his movie. And goddamn, he he plays so many different things. Like there's so many emotions attached to this guy in the course of 90 minutes. It's, it's ridiculous. You see him go through all these like ebbs and flows. It's fantastic performance and it's funny so uh, i i told you guys uh, privately but i'll tell everyone if you uh, review this on uh, letterboxd uh, neil ward reads all the reviews for this movie so the uh, the main actor and uh well well he commented on mine anyway that's uh yeah get, apparently a good dude and uh he was doing contests and stuff for a while like signed uh blu-rays of this movie and sending them to people it's uh yeah definitely would have been my top actor of last year Maybe we should reach out, have him on. Maybe not yeah. during the strike. Yeah, exactly. But... <laughs> That's <a problem>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, damn strike. Hopefully it ends soon. But I'll definitely watch his career because dude's a legit actor. All right, guys. That is going to be it for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed our review of Feed Me. Next week, highly anticipated episode, our Wes Craven retrospective. It has been a very long time since our last retrospective when we did Stuart Gordon. So we are super excited to get into the filmography of Wes Craven. In the meantime, you can keep up with the podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and threads. Just search the Horror Squad podcast. But of course, you know, the absolute best way to keep up with the podcast is our Discord. All you gotta do is send us a DM on any of our socials and we will get you a link to the Discord completely free to join and an amazing community over there. We're even doing a fantasy football league this year, which you missed out on if you haven't joined yet. But we're doing a we do a bunch of awesome random stuff over there. So definitely join in on our Discord. You can also email us anytime, the horror squad podcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can pick up some merch over at tpublic.com. Just search the Horror Squad podcast and you'll find our merch over on there. And save the dates, October 20th through the 22nd. We really hope to have something announced very soon for that. But in the meantime, you know, the strike is unfortunately messing some things up. But it seems like it is definitely going to happen. We're just working out some particulars. We apologize. I know we already had already announced last year's event by now, but hopefully within the next week, I'm hoping we can at least get some sort of information out there to you guys. So just keep an eye on our socials for that. Uh, so that is going to be it, guys. We'll see you guys next week for Wes Craven Retrospective. And Steve, we got an interview. What we do we do. got? So, so stick around for the interview with uh, Shay and Lourdes from... I'm everywhere. Great conversation coming right up. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, where tonight we have two very special guests. We have the director of the upcoming film, I'm Everywhere, Shay, and an executive producer for the film, Lourdes. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. This is super exciting. I've been, yeah. I've been looking forward to this. That's awesome. Uh, and me as well. I always love to talk to fellow horror fans, uh, fellow filmmakers, fellow podcasters. It's it's great. I'm really excited about this. Uh, so my first question, you're here to promote your upcoming film, I'm Everywhere, which is scheduled to start principal photography in October. Can you tell us a little bit about the film? Sure. So this film um, directed by me was actually is actually a prequel segment to Lourdes's uh, Alert to Darkness, which she directed. Um, and Lourdes can can talk more about the origins of the story um, and all of that. Uh, but yeah, just this uh, short part and where we're also planning on making it a, a vampire anthology. But for right now, it's just focusing on our uh, main anti-hero. You could say he's you could say he's a villain, but his name is Victor, Victor the Vampire, mm -hmm. um, who is being played by my husband. And uh, yeah, Lourdes, what do you want to add to that? So uh, basically, um, the first movie that I directed in uh, the vampire anthology I'm doing, um, Victor is the antagonist um, of the film, and the main lead is um, Lilith, um, who is a college student who gets turned into a vampire after a night class, very traumatic event. But um, eventually she does um, overcome her trauma and um, have her newfound powers. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to say much, but in I'm Everywhere, um, the lead um, is ran by Victor now. You can uh, see why Victor, the way he is, you can see how he is as an experienced vampire, whereas in A Lord of Darkness, you get to see what it's like to be born into the vampire. Right. Uh, excellent. Um, so I'll start with Lourdes first, but I'll ask you both the same question. What are some of your favorite uh, vampire stories, films, books that inspired you for this movie and I guess your previous movie, uh, Lourdes? I have a list. I've like watched a bunch of vampire films and TV shows growing up, which was introduced by my sister. Um, I watched Dracula in 1992. Um, that one's my favorite. Um, Queen of the Dam. That one's also my favorite. Mm -hmm. um, I also grew up with the Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That was just mm -hmm. like when I came straight out of the womb and into mm -hmm. like my early childhood. Um, halfway through my childhood and my early teens, I loved Twilight and the Vampire Diaries. I think we're both like so lucky because we have such similar tastes and you could see that in our inspirations. I'm also a humongous fan of Queen of the Damned. Um, that's kind of how I started like building the foundation for what, what this new movie was going to be and how it was going to be stylistically. Um, just those dark fantasy 2000s movies. So you also got Blade. That was a huge inspiration for this. Bram Stoker's Dracula stylistically the costume design it's all super beautiful and then also recently i was recommending this but the vampire uh vampire hunter d series okay uh, which uh bloodlust uh, like if you haven't seen it it's super super gorgeous like one of the like most pretty uh anime movies that you will ever see but yeah i would say those and twilight of course right <laughs> It, it are vampire like so when you're making these films are are vampire horror films kind of your favorite subgenre 
of horror or are there other subgenres of horror that you also like or like more than vampires Ooh, that's a great question so i think um my my love for the vampire horror genre was definitely strengthened by the whole journey of, of working on this project and stuff but um personally I, I i i think i feel like i started out more like in psychological thrillers um and then i'm always someone to vouch for found footages mm. um found footage films which are some of my favorite films of all time i love how uh creative people get with them and how real they can feel um the taking of deborah logan is one of my favorite horror movies of all time um but yeah i would definitely say found footage i like stuff that feels really um really visceral but also really really real uh hereditary would be another one of those for me excellent what about you lourdes um, I've always loved um, vampire horror, and that's uh, where I started uh, with my life. Um, but then I eventually um, moved on to um, slasher movies like Scream 1996, for instance, and I loved uh, some good old classic um, horror films like um, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, um, Texas Chainsaw. Amazing. So I actually went to film school as well myself. So I'm familiar with how it all works. And I'm, I always love asking this question and I'll go to Lourdes first, but I'll, I'll ask uh, Shay as well. Which part of the process do you like the most? So if you can only do one part of the process, whether it's directing, writing, producing, acting, uh, which part of the process speaks to you the most as a filmmaker? Hmm, what part speaks to me the most as a filmmaker? Um, what uh, speaks to me the most is um, doing the makeup effects. Mm. Um, some of like the gory wounds, the bite wounds, and like all the blood. That's what like speaks to me the most. Mm-hmm. Anytime someone like brought up a horror movie or um, needing something for like makeup effects, I'm like, how much blood do you need? <laughs> I just like kind of like blood it all out. And they're like, right. huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> what <about> you, Shay? <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, um, Lourdes is, I mean, we've g- done a couple shoots recently, just as a uh-huh. side note. Lourdes always comes in clutch with the the stunt blood mm-hmm. and all of that. She, and uh, we also had her do some makeup special effects in our uh, Indiegogo promo. So okay. if you want to check that out, tiny little plug. But for me, um, because this is uh, pretty much like officially my first directorial debut and I, that's a hard question. I've never been asked that question. Um, but I guess if I were to choose, just because I've done it so many times, just on my own, just as a creative, um, probably just the kind of the the research aspect of, of filmmaking, which for me, the way that I like to start planning the foundation for a film and, and what it's going to end up being, I, I love making Spotify playlists and mood boards and um, finding scene references for the characters and working on the costume. I'm doing um, the costume and the production design um, and heading that pretty much myself. So the whole design aspect, I guess, I'm going to say the design department, everything creative and everything artistic having to do with that. Cause I'm also a comic book artist. Okay. It just, feels, it just comes super, super naturally. And I like, I just super enjoy it. That's amazing. Lourdes. So as someone who does loves to do like makeup and effects like that, what are some of like makeup jobs or gore gags that you've seen in previous horror films that you thought are like among the best in the industry? Um, 
I'm not sure if anyone has watched it yet, but I love Stranger Things season four. Mm, yeah. Um, <laughs> I like the way they did like um some of the makeup effects on there, and they even went as far as to like getting nominated for the Emmys, which <laughs> I love so much. I'm so proud of them, proud of the makeup artist's team, proud of the uh, creators of it, and um, yeah. Just seeing the behind the scenes with like the sculptures mm. and like the latex and how they've done it, I was so like, wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely fantastic. Vecna looked so sick in uh, season four. It was great. Um, Shay, I do have uh, a question about a your podcast. So you're a fellow podcaster. You do a podcast called Snobcast uh, by Film Snob Reviews. Can you tell us a little bit about your podcast and kind of what the deal is there? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've also uh, worked here and there as a, a film critic. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah. So I've been working with uh, William McGeezeball, who is the founder of uh, filmsnobreviews.com. Uh, I've been working him with him since 2019. And then I think since 2020, 2021, around the pandemic, when the pandemic happened, we decided to start up our own podcast um and it's just this fun little thing and if you ever want to feature on it just let me know because we're always looking for guests so every episode we have different guests on and our guests get to choose a theme having to do with movies mm -hmm. and what everyone does we all get on a little digital circle we all pick out three movies um that follow the theme and we just discuss them and we try to watch as many as we can just consume as much film information, share our film knowledge and all of that, um, go on reckless uh, movie tangents. And then um, in the middle of it, usually Will also surprises us with a second theme that no one gets to know about until he springs it on us. Okay. But yeah, super fun. I think we're on, we're actually filming the next uh, episode tonight, like right after this. So that'll be our 27th episode and it is on all platforms. Okay, that's amazing. Um, one thing, again, about your podcast that really drew me to it is you talk a lot about diversity, uh, queer horror, uh, Black creators, uh, feminism, not too long ago. Uh, that's something that I plug a lot of my podcasts. I think there needs to be more diversity in film and in stories and characters. Uh, are there any like films that you can recommend in some of those categories that maybe don't get the limelight that they should? Oh, my God. Wait, let me bring up my IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, um, at the top of my head, like, as far as queer horror goes, um, damn, there's so many of them. Okay, so I'd hmm. say feminist or queer horror, I think Cam, which was on Netflix, hmm. was something that was completely underrated, but um, it was written and founded by people who have worked in the sex industry they know what they're talking about I thought that went really in depth with stuff that's happening like nowadays with you know people being replaced by AI and what it means to kind of be what it means to be working in the sex industry there's also this tiny tiny little um it's more of a psychological thriller but it feels very visceral and horrifying this little movie that I reviewed called Makeup um and that's a queer film not spoiling anything for that because it's very mysterious and also incredibly hard to market um the new oh the new evil dead rising movie yeah. um i thought that did really well uh of incorporating um strong female characters you um you also have a trans character but they don't make it you right. know mm -hmm. 
something marketable if that makes sense they don't make it a point of like this is why you should it's just a natural character and that's just who they are kind of thing and there's just so many movies that that um have a subtext of of queerness or just have a queer nature or feminist nature to them it's there's so many out there so (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's great actually um i don't know if you've seen it yet but talk to me also has a uh, a tr- a trans that they don't mention it. It's it just and that's how it should be. I think you know it's just part of life. It's a it's a person and you know it's mm-hmm. it's great performance as well. So that's awesome. And uh, two uh, two I would recommend myself if you haven't seen him is uh, Summoning Sylvia and uh, Saint Drogo. Very very great um, recent films that on uh, I liked. So. Um, uh, Lourdes, I'd, I'd kind of ask you the same thing. Um, speaking of indie films, you know, you're both making a, an indie film. Are there any, any indie films you'd like to kind of talk about that think you think should have more eyes on it uh, that maybe doesn't get kind of the publicity that it should? Indie movies. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, I don't know what comes to mind when it comes to like indie films but i do have um answers that piggyback to um shay's response um i like i really loved um interview with the vampire from um amc the tv series Mm -hmm. i love how like they finally showed like the relationship between the two leads and like you see how like lovey-dovey it is but then it's not like so lovey-dovey and then they also like have like their like um kid together like quote-unquote daughter um too as well and it shows so much complex um relationship like oh yeah we're like a family and then also it's like yeah we're toxic and dysfunctional and it tells so many um stories and subjects that are still happening that is still relevant in present times um i also really loved um jennifer's body it's like so ahead of its time like you can tell like what it's like to be a woman and like uh, relationships between women some people were like debating if jennifer and needy were like in love or they were not in love and yeah yeah no that's great um and, and another one i would recommend uh for more kind of the feminist movement is bit which was i believe is on tubi and that's another kind of indie film that uh i, I personally think is great now, just, you know, we're a horror podcast, so speaking of horror films in general, I'd like to both to know, what are some of your favorite horror films of all time? So I'll start with uh, Lourdes. Ah, my favorite horror films of all time. Um, That's a tough one. Um, Are you talking like the vampire horror or like oh, general anything, horror? Anything, just general horror. Okay, so um, my favorite horror is... um. Scream 1996. Okay. Very, very great choice. <laughs> a classic for sure. Uh, what about you, Shay? Um, I'm literally looking through my IMDb <laughs> watch list. Right. Now. Like, <laughs> I have a lot because horror, I mean, obviously, it's it's my favorite genre. Like, mm. I have my little cup here with... Nice. <laughs> with the besties, the homies. That's amazing. Um, but I think, uh, man, there's so many. I love The Exorcist. Uh, if we're going to classics, Candyman. Um, but if we're going more recent, Mad God by Phil oh, Tibbet wow. is, yeah, what like <laughs> probably 
of the most impressive animated films of all time. And it was, it's one of the, the very few films that I've ever seen that has made me physically ill. <laughs> Same goes um, for the, I believe it's, um, and you've probably seen it, but the medium, uh, is mm-hmm. it Thai? Oh, yeah. I think it's Thai horror. Thai, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, I would also compare that to The Exorcist. Um, one of my favorite, if not like my personal, it's like, it's filmed like a National Geographic documentary and it's amazing. I love pseudo documentaries. Um, mm-hmm. Long Pigs is also like a little gem that I'm always talking about and no one knows what it is I'm talking about, but it's this funny little Canadian found footage pseudo documentary thing, literally about a cannibal just going about his day and a film crew is just like content we're gonna film this guy like he has a cooking show um and it's super real but also just kind of like tongue-in-cheek and um just super funny silent hill i'm gonna Mm -hmm. name last because silent hill both the the movie and the video games have influenced a lot of my work um period and everything from the score to also how they adapted the games and somehow made it even more female fronted and the fact that they're actually coming out with a sequel for it just everything about it i love yeah that's that's great the medium does not get enough love i think Uh, people really need to check out the medium it is so scary uh and i this someone who's done almost 300 you know horror uh podcast episodes and i thought it was like wow this is this is way scarier than a lot of stuff that's come out recently people need to watch it so thank you i've 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 tried sharing it with as many people as possible i've even rewatched it and every time it's just like oh it's so <laughs> nasty and so good i went in cold too i think um i think will from film snobs he uh he recommended me reviewing it or it just popped up in my inbox or something because i get shutter screeners mm. um and i went into it so cold and it's the how it starts out. Like when I say National Geographic documentary, mm-hmm. I was like, what? This movie is really beautiful. And it's called The Medium. I'm like, is this about like um, a, a part of like this town's culture or whatever? I thought right. it was real at first until, you know, right. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Amazingly executed. And like everything about it is so real. I love it. But absolutely. yay. Let someone get it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so going back to I'm Everywhere. Uh, it's currently uh, being funded on Indiegogo, and uh, we're going to share the links on our social media and our, on our Discord, of course. Uh, how do you feel about the importance of funding indie films on pro- uh, platforms like Indiegogo today? Because it, I think it's great for diversity. It's great for bringing young filmmakers, you know, the chance to actually make something unique and cool. So how's your, your experience been so far with this uh, project so I'll go with uh, Lourdes first um experiencing with the Indiegogo has been interesting um just been shooting around everywhere and uh putting it to the title to uh embody it literally is like so um immersive uh, I want to like shine light on um everybody's talents bring everybody I know and I work with like I want to like show what they're like brain is like and also like I've like written this movie to um expose myself to the trauma that I've experienced prior and um just like heal with it move on from it I've seen many people have like resonated with it and um yeah to like heal from it profit off of it to provide um support to cast and crew with like meals, uh, 
paying them also and um it's amazing awesome what about you shay um like lord has said and like we keep saying you know it's definitely a journey it's always a journey but this um you know you come across a lot of really ambitious projects and you know you you've been to film school so you've seen people take on projects for the first second third however many times and a lot of the times it's it it can be a, a a really big overwhelming confusing ordeal but with i'm everywhere it's been really super special um for me personally and I know for the you know for for Lourdes and um for Landon who's playing Victor it's been something that's been really special and and become this huge it's like grown and grown and grown and now it's it's turned into something that is going to really unfold into something like really cool and really humongous so this is definitely an outlet to where we can all just put everything that we have into this but we can also have fun with it because it is a genre film and you know that's what we all know is the beautiful mm-hmm. thing about horror movies and dark fantasy films is you can take anything like a, a narcissistic vampire a literal energy vampire and add so much to it like the style and and the colors that i'm going for i'm working with an amazing cinematographer who also happens to be um one of my buddies my close buddies and it's just like how things have fallen into place with the people who have come onto the project um and are giving it their all like you'll see like our cast and crew working hard to also put the movie out there um it's really it's the whole thing has been a blessing but definitely for the indiegogo you know for us putting every single creative bone in our bodies to make this happen we still need to support ourselves and each other um, me and the other, me, Lourdes, and the other executive producers and Landon have put a lot already into stuff like sets, um, into props, production design. I have, I don't have a shower anymore. <laughs> it's a <laughs> closet now, right. full of all of our props and stuff. I, well, I live in a trailer park, so my showers are outside, thankfully. Hmm. <laughs> I have showered. But, you know, it's it's taken a lot. And we we know because when you take on any massive creative project like this on this on the ambitious with the ambition and the scale that we're aiming for um, the best, you know, what we want most out of this project is for our audiences to be entertained and be like, wow, that was crazy or whatever. That reminds me of, of when I was a kid and I would see movies in the theater and they were kind of dark and kind of edgy and all that. That was that 2005, you know? But at the same time, like Laura said, we wanna make sure that everyone while putting their best foot forward is totally supported in the process of making this movie. So all of our budget is pretty much just going to supporting our casting, our crew. Um, we're supporting everything else. It's just making sure that they can get paid, mm-hmm. that they can be fed. Um, and yeah, please support us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- absolutely. And I wish studios all felt that way <laughs> about the talent that worked for them. Uh, unfortunately, we're going through, of course, the strikes. And it's great to speak to indie filmmakers uh, such as yourself. So Really appreciate you coming on the show. I have one final question for both of you. Uh, is there anywhere that our listeners can follow you on social media or follow the project so they can, you know, kind of go along with the uh, everything until it's release uh, when it's done? So I'll start with uh, Lourdes. So uh, follow us on 
I'm ever official on Instagram and um, I'm everywhere on Facebook page, the second um, installment of the vampire film. And then we also have a Facebook group called I'm Everywhere, aka Victor Fan Club. Awesome. <laughs> and for me, yes. What, what Lorda said, we have those Facebook groups, we have the Indiegogo, and um, all of the links for those are also in our bios, like link trees and stuff. Where you can find my personal page is on Instagram at limina underscore 1999. That's like limina, like liminal, but without the L in 1999, as in one of the best years for movies ever, mm-hmm. period. Um, and yeah, we're also planning on starting up a TikTok soon. So I guess look forward to that. But we're posting all of our updates on the uh, the official Instagram page and on, on our own pages. Awesome. So everyone, please go check out the Indiegogo pages and support indie horror by supporting this film, I'm Everywhere. Shay, Lourdes, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you all for coming today. I know Liv would be astonished just to see this many people in one room for her. Hey buddy, can I get you a drink? Who are you? Lionel Flack, a man of many talents. All that weight you're carrying? What if I said I could take it all away? So what are you saying? Consensual human consumption. So you wanna eat me? That is exactly what I'm saying. Lahayim! Over the course of our time together, my job is to make sure you're happy. And at any point you're in pain or in discomfort, you just need to let me know. My mama encouraged me to pursue photography. You know, I kind of had a knack for erotica and abstract exoticism. You ready? How do you feel? Zyta? <laughs> Is there a Mrs. Flag? She lost her head and went cold on me. Because you don't know what you have until it's actually gone. Jed, you've got me. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful than a man's relationship with his food. Hey, Lionel, don't be ashamed of what you are. We all like what we like. So, um, are you into anything weird? Uh, I like skin. Crispy chicken skin? I know what you mean. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a beautiful baby boy! There comes a time in every man's life where he unexpectedly finds himself in a hole. And nothing more than a predator. You came here to die, Jed. You are a coward. Say that again. I dare you.
This is the best veal I have ever tasted. This is not veal. This is Michelin star veal.